Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. We hope that you'll feel inspired and motivated by the information and the stories that are shared today so that you too can go out and make an impact in the community in some way yourselves. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So I remember as a kid, my mom would have each of us five kids take a turn at recording our Christmas message right after opening gifts on Christmas Day. We use those old tape recorders with the pop-up cassette tapes and the big black buttons to stop, record, rewind. Anybody remember those? We all hated to do it at the time, and it mostly consisted of us running through the list of gifts we got with a Merry Christmas to all, and we look forward to a great new year at the end. By now, uh, when I listen back to some of those old recordings, my heart is full because I get to hear my siblings' goofy, silly antics as they recorded their part, but I especially loved hearing my dad's voice. My dad has been gone since 1986. He died when, I was, when he was only 53. And what I wouldn't give now to sit with him and just listen to him talk. Now, we have tons of pictures. My mom was a picture-taking fanatic, and we also have old Super 8 videos, but there was no sound. So... Although uh, I absolutely love to reminisce looking at old photos and watching old videos, it would have been really nice if we could hear the voices of our loved ones. What about you? Who would you love to listen to today that perhaps is no longer here? Or perhaps you know someone who was really great at telling family stories, but they are experiencing an illness like Alzheimer's where they can't recall those old stories anymore. Wouldn't it be awesome to capture those stories forever and have the ability to pass them along to future generations? I think that would be awesome. My first guest today is Thomas Mitt, Executive Director of the Stories Project. Welcome to the show today, Tom. Hello. Thanks for having me here. You are welcome. So this sounds like such a great idea. You know, the, the days of the old Super 8s and the tape recorders, you know, those are gone. Uh, we have the ability to hear our loved ones' voices, which is awesome. Um, start by telling us what the inspiration was to start the Stories Project in the first place. Well, it's interesting. You know, there's a couple of reasons I started this. Uh, the most immediate one was um, it came about by something my mom did. And my mom lived the last two years of her life at our home with myself and my wife because I always felt that's what you do. A family takes care of itself. And, um, but by that time, my father had already passed away. And actually, he passed away at the age of 53 as well. Mm, you too know, young. Way, the way too, too young. young. And he passed away of his third heart attack. Mm. So it was really serious. And uh, that was a great blow to me because he and I were very, very close. Uh, and my brother had passed away at the age of 23 in a car crash oh my many years you know, earlier. And so by that time, by the time my mom was living with us, um, it was just her and I left in the family. So, um, and my mom's relationship with me was never really as close as I was with my dad. It wasn't bad, but it was just that, not that same kind of connection. So, um, as she was living at the house, she started writing her autobiography. 
and it was just for me because, like I say, everybody was gone. Matter of fact, the, the front of the little book that she wrote it in, one of those little ring binder things, uh, it says for Tom. Mm. And she actually opened it on the first page with Dear Son, and, you know, I want to keep your history, and here it is. So she was born in 1919 in a little country called Estonia. Mm. It was part of the Soviet Union later. Uh, and, uh, you know, with, with her, her sisters and a brother, and she watched as the Germans came through and destroyed her city going one way, and then the Russians destroyed it going the other way. And unfortunately, when the Russians did, they didn't leave for a long time. And so she witnessed that. And, you know, as a young woman between the world wars, so I, uh, after, the, after the war, she ended up in a refugee camp. And I knew a lot of this history. But what she wrote in this biography were lots and lots of things I had no clue about, mm-hmm. lots of details and lots of little stories that I did not know. And uh, things about how she grew up and, and all. And um, there was a little bit of confession in there, too. There were some things that she didn't tell anybody, including her, her husband. Oh. I mean, literally nobody until she wrote this. Because mm. there were things as a young woman at the time you just did not talk about. Sure, sure. So um, anyhow, after she passed, I picked this up again, read it again, and started to think about it and realized that our culture has changed so much in the last 150 years uh, the older generation is no longer living with the younger generation. You know, we used to have you know two or three generations living together or close to each other, and the the experiences and the knowledge and all of the older generation is no longer automatically passed on. So, uh, and we lose that. It's a lost treasure. And if my mom hadn't written this written this this little book, I wouldn't know any of this. Yeah, yeah. So I decided I was going to see what I could do about this, you know, see if I can fix our society a little, little bit, one story at a time. Yeah, and you came up with a great solution. Mm-hmm. Why did you set it up as a nonprofit? Well, uh, I'd spent many years as a, an IT guy, a technology guy. I'd opened and started and succeeded and failed in a number of businesses over the years. Um, this was different. I wanted to make this a mission. Uh, there's a cause here. Um, making money is not the idea here. I mean, obviously, we need funds to survive and to do it, but... Uh, and I wanted it to be a nonprofit because I wanted people to know that this is a nonprofit, that we're not here to make money. We're here to to try to solve a problem a little bit at a time. Mm, wonderful. Well, are there any organizations out there that do the same thing? And if so, how how is the Stories Project different? Well, there are a lot of organizations that, that do similar things. Most of them revolve on the idea of having people write their stories uh, you know, like some, some organizations, what they do is they regularly send an email to the, to the grandmas and grandpas, and they're supposed to then respond with, with the answers to the questions in the email. Some of them have audio recordings that they do. Um, but as far as I know, and then there might be some I don't know, but nobody does video, you know, an actual videotaped conversation. And I'm an old technology guy, and I had a video business some years ago, and it's pretty easy for me to do. So I said, let's, let's make this happen this way. Because if you hear somebody tell a story in audio or read the story written, it's a whole different dimension if you see them tell their oh, own story. Sure. Yeah. It could have a whole different meaning. Yeah, yeah. You see the body language and just, you know. I, I, again, I, I say I would love to hear my father's voice, but to have him sitting there, feeling like he's sitting there in front of me. Oh, yeah. Talking to me on video. That's that's ideal. Um, walk us through the process, though. Start start us out here. Uh, what's the process? Well, what starts is is uh, you know somebody hears hears about us, 
And it's typically the adult children that do this, that, that introduce them. Because if I talk to the seniors directly, they'll often just say, uh, nobody wants to hear my story. You know, I didn't do anything interesting, which frankly is just a big lie. <laughs> it's right, not right. true at all. Yeah. So, um, but the adult children will say, you know, you got to interview my mom and my dad. And so I, what I tell them to do is ask them about it. And if they're at all interested in the slightest, have them talk to me. And what I do is I kind of tell them what the story is. And we set up a, a, a interview by Zoom. We call it a pre-interview, actually, where they get to ask me questions and they get some idea of what it's all about. And I get to ask them questions to know a little bit about their lives. And we record that. And then we schedule the actual interview, which is a face-to-face interview. And then when we do that, the person who does the interviewing, it's usually not me, has seen this pre-interview and has some idea of who they're talking to. So they're not going in cold. And so um, and that's, that's basically it. And after it's all done, they get a copy of the, the flash drive, or on a flash drive, I should say. The interview itself is about an hour, roughly. And, uh, and it's theirs to keep for their families once they're gone. So five years later, five generations later, people can see this and learn why you know, maybe Aunt Mary was such a weird person. <laughs> I mean, I think what a gift, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a gift that keeps on giving. I think I heard that somewhere in some some commercials, somewhere, <laughs> some product right, being yeah. sold somewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, this really is. I mean, what a great way to pass on family traditions and family ideas and that. I mean, it sounds like a really, really great idea. And I'm sure there are folks out there that would love to have something like this, again, to pass along to future generations. Well, stay tuned because we're going to take a little bit deeper dive and learn more about the Stories Project after commercial break. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Tom Mitt, Executive Director of the Stories Project. I'm guessing that there are many people out there that would love to have something like this as a family heirloom, a family legacy to pass down to future generations. So let's learn more about it. So Tom, you you said that you go through this recording process, which you outlined a little bit in the first segment. How long do the video conversations typically last? In most cases, it's about an hour. It depends on the person. Some people are, are, are a little bit more wordy and a okay. little bit more willing to talk. Um, generally, the first five or 10 or so minutes, they're kind of warming up to the idea you know, to actually do it. And after that, and I'm kind of, you know, our, our volunteers and I are kind of friendly people. So they, they open up pretty quickly and then they go. But uh, every now and then we get somebody who's still a little shy. And so they may be a little less than an hour. But I'd say an hour plus or minus. The longest one we ever had was two hours. Ah. And he could have gone three or four more. <laughs> <laughs> Couple different videos that you're going to have to do. Yeah. Um, who's your typical target audience then? Well, as far as the, the storyteller, the audience there is, Really, anybody who has a, a family who, who has reached <laughs> somebody asked me that once, and I said, You know, if you've got hair growing out of your ears, you're old enough. <laughs> Good reference. Yeah, yeah that yeah. not only works for one gender, not another, <laughs> so, but I hope so. But, uh, but truthfully, you know, it's I've had people who are younger, and, and by younger, I mean in their 30s and 40s, asking if I should be interviewed. And I go, No, no, you need to make some more stories. Uh, the youngest person we interviewed was 57. Okay. And we did him because he was facing death, really, had colon cancer, mm. and he knew it was imminent. So we inter- we interviewed him while he still 
we still could. And thank goodness you did. And we yeah. did, yeah. And then uh, what does the storyteller get again when the interview is done? The storyteller gets, um, first of all, we put the the uh, completed raw, unedited video up on a private folder and, and online that they can look at. And so it's untouched, unchanged. You know, the only thing we do is we put our, our, our image on the front and a little thank you at the back. But, um, uh, and if they have given us permission by signing, a, we have a model release, we'll then edit it and put that on our website. And it's because I think it's as much a, a world legacy as it is a family legacy. The other thing they'll also get is they get this this raw, unedited, and the the edited version if they've given us permission on a on a flash drive, so they have it there as well. And we'll make more multiple copies if they want it. Okay, mm -hmm. and so the storyteller gets to approve the video before it goes public, right? Yeah, before it goes public, they okay. have that option. I always ask them, is do they do they want to be able to see it before we do? Okay. And yes, they can, and they can. And a number of people say, well, we'd rather not, um, but let me have the release form, and I might change my mind after I see it. Sure, mm -hmm. and I bet that happens often because again, you look up, you look. Maybe they have a, a an idea of what it's going to be like beforehand, and then they sit down and they watch it, and the tears flow, and they think about what it's done for them. And like anything, I think you think about, okay, this has done this for me. What can this do for somebody else? And if you share, you know, the the impact that it has, I think it's. A, I don't want to say a selling tool, but it's mm -hmm. a way to to really share the great yeah. work that that you do. So the question that everyone might be wondering is, what's the cost? Well, it's very very inexpensive. It's only seven hundred dollars for the for the interview. Um, that includes everything, um, and uh, uh, we are we actually do have a fund where other people can donate to this fund to pay for other people's interviews, if that's an issue. Like I say, we're not in it for the money. Right. We need money, but we're not in it for that purpose. Right. That's why you set it up as a nonprofit, exactly. as you said. Yeah. yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's not that's not bad at all, <clears throat> excuse me, for a gift that keeps on giving for right. generations to come, right? Why don't you give us some examples, some stories of impact? Share with us um, uh, some of the videos that you've done and the results that you've seen. The very first video we did with was uh, with a friend of mine. He's an older gentleman, 96 years old, living in Luther Manor. His name is Bill. He's a great guy. I've known him. He's actually my, my wife's ex-father-in-law. We okay. got to be really good friends. And, um, so he, and he was our first interview. And as we went along, he started telling about how um, he, you know, when his, his son went to college and, uh, um, and the, you know, were getting scholarships and grants and you know, seeking them out. And he got a scholarship, you know, a smaller scholarship for David, his son. David, I'm sorry, I'm bringing you up. And... Uh, um, and he said, well, he, when he got the money, he gave the money to David, and David was supposed to put it to college, and he didn't do that. He went out and bought speakers. And Bill said, and I wanted to kill him. <laughs> and he said, then he said, and I'm not sure I didn't. <laughs> so, so that was our very first one. Um, right after that, as I mentioned, there was a friend of mine who was 57, who had, who his name was also Bill, and he, uh, he had contracted colon cancer that he beat, but it came back, mm -hmm. and he knew his time was short. And so we interviewed him the day before Thanksgiving in 2021. Uh, five weeks later, almost to the day, he passed away on New Year's Eve, actually, oh, wow. which really does something to a family's holiday, right. you can imagine. Yeah. He's a great guy, and the interview was, was wonderful. Um, two weeks later, I went to his memorial service and gave the interview on a flash drive to his wife, mm. who knew we were doing the interview, but of course, actually having it was an impact. 
she sent me a card a few weeks later saying, thank you so much for this. I haven't had the nerve to watch it yet. Oh, mm. okay. But she, and of course she did later, and yeah. she's actually uh, given us a video testimonial about all of this. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just, I mean, put yourself in that situation where you've lost a loved one that you would just give anything to just sit next to and have a conversation with. Exactly. And I think this gives mm -hmm. you that gives you that opportunity. It's such a great she idea. She even said her name is Jan, and she even said that every now and then she'll pull that out and watch it, and she feels like she's having a conversation with them again. Absolutely. You know? I, mm -hmm. I can totally understand that. Um, what about plans for the future? Well, um, we want to expand this a little bit, of course. We want to grow. That's a big deal for us. Um, and like I say, our, our mission really is to, to help change society a little as much as we can because we've lost a lot by not having this um, and, and we're looking at expanding into other ways of doing this, too. You know, right now we're in the, the southeast Wisconsin area. Uh, we've gone as far as Grand Rapids, Michigan. But we're looking at ways that we might be able to do some of these things virtually as well. Uh, some, you know, because the Internet is wonderful because it knows nothing about geography. Uh, right? So we can be true. pretty much anywhere. Uh, there are some special challenges with that. You know, of course, Internet connection, quality, people's familiarity with the, the technology. Uh, and also just kind of the general, the style of interviewing is going to be much different, you know, than if you're doing it face-to-face. -face. So, mm -hmm. uh, so we're not quite there yet, but we're working on that. Okay. And I would echo that, too, with doing this show. You know, mm -hmm. when COVID hit and had to look at alternate ways of doing things, we attempted to do Zoom, at least this with uh, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, we tried to do it. And you're right, it just, it loses that personal touch right, right. when you're Zooming instead of actually being in person here. So yeah. we much prefer to, to We're do We're trying it to that figure way. out ways to work around that, but that's, that's yeah. a difficult problem, especially yeah. when you're thinking of something that's a legacy item. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. But having said that, though, I think having a less than perfect quality mm -hmm. uh, video is better than not having a video that at all. That is absolutely true, and that's why we're consider continuing to pursue this. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, so what can people do to help the story project? There's three things that I really need. One is storytellers, obviously, people to be to have this conversation with. And I, you know, I, and I always call it an interview, but it's really more of a conversation. I tell people it's like having a beer and pizza with someone. You know, you just kind of sit and talk. Um, so I need storytellers. I also need people who are volunteers, who are willing to help. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do. We need help with some marketing tools, or we do events. We need help with the logistics of events. Um, and all of that. And then, of course, we need people who can help us support financially. Um, we, you know, we have on our website, there is a donations button for it on, on uh, thestoriesproject.org. And uh, there's that. They can do small monthly recurring donations, or we have a corporate uh, campaign as well. So there's, there's different packages that we can buy. So uh, unfortunately, it takes money to make something happen like this. Uh, I wish it didn't, but it does. Right. Um, and so we need that financial support. Okay. Well, and I think it's uh, worth mentioning, too, if you're listening and you happen to be uh, an estate attorney, uh, financial planners like uh, uh, Ellen Becker Investment Group and others, funeral homes, right. veteran organizations, hospice organizations, anyone who serves older people, uh, this is a good resource to share. And as you said at the beginning of the interview, share it with the young ones because mm -hmm. they're the ones that are going to go to 
speak to the the elder and say let's let's do this let's just get this done you mentioned funeral homes one of the things that we've been thinking about doing is of course that's a situation where someone has already passed but it would be interesting to set up a small booth where people are going to the memorial service are talking about the person who just passed yes. telling their experiences with that person so yeah. it's kind of a back door into the same thing. Well, and when people go to a funeral home to prepare. And pre-planning, and, yeah. And, you know, that's another time right. to do it as well. So all great stuff. Wow, I wish we could keep going, but we're running out of time here. So, Tom, give us contact information. If someone is listening and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, number one, the website. That's thestoriesproject.org. Um, you can always give us a call at 414-616-3744. Uh, or you can email me at... Uh, info at thestoriesproject.org. Okay. Give me the uh, telephone number one more time. 414-616-3744. Awesome. All right. The Stories Project. Great organization. Check it out. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom, for sharing your passion here with us today. Thank you for the invitation and for the for the support. You are absolutely welcome. Well, the Stories Project is indeed a great nonprofit that serves families and helps to keep them connected, which is awesome, wonderful. Uh, our next guest also serves families and helps to keep them together, but in a totally different way. If you stay tuned, you'll learn more after a short commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. Our next featured nonprofit also serves families and helps to keep them together, but in a totally different way than the Stories Project and Tom Mitt, who you just heard from in the previous segments. Their method of serving is actually done because of a basic need that we all have, but we don't all have full access to. Welcome to the show today, Rochelle Gamov, President and Executive Director of Friends with Food. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you and for you to share all about Friends with Food so two words in your title that everyone needs, connection and sustenance. You can certainly have sustenance without connection, but how much better would it be to have both? It'd be nice to eat a nice meal with a friend, right? I understand that Friends with Food is the second largest food pantry in Waukesha County, according to Community Action Collision. And your food pantry gives more pounds of food per person than any other food pantry in our area. That deserves bragging rights, right? Yes. <laughs> so tell us what it is about serving people through your food pantry that feeds your soul. Well, I have to take this back a little bit to before I started this nonprofit and my why. My why is really, um, I was in real estate and I was a real estate broker and I owned a franchise at that point of time and basically COVID hit and the franchise owner was basically telling us to put humans over houses that was our tagline and so I was like what can I do to help out families in need and I looked around thinking I had enough food myself and what would other people need 
and I kind of went back uh, about a year ago. I had a, a medical condition that happened to me where I couldn't breathe, and it was took me out of business for an entire year. I had two major surgeries, and I couldn't breathe, and I, I couldn't even take a shower. That's how bad wow. my condition was. And I could have used to go to a food pantry with myself and my family. However, I was denied under the current model. Oh, okay. And so when I looked at the food insecurity right around that, food, that COVID time, I was like, okay, I have some ideas. How can I do this better than the current model? And that's my model called the Choice Food Pantry. Okay. Well, tell us, okay, so Friends with Food is defined as a choice pantry. So tell us what that is exactly. So basically, families get to choose and have the right to choose what products that they can use for their family. So they're not just given a box of food and said, here you go, hopefully your family can eat anything or everything in there. Yeah, here's your mac and cheese and your applesauce, and there <laughs> yeah. you go, even though you may not maybe like a, that stuff, right? Maybe a can of beans or something, yeah. like a can of pork or something really weird, and you're like, what do I do with that? I need food, yet it's this issue of waste, too. And that is what we focused our, our effort on, um, which basically families get to come and they get to pick those items just like a shopping store. Okay. We have everything that they need from beverages all the way to dairy, produce, um, everything in between to help them out. And groceries are extremely expensive right now. Yeah. yeah. And everything's rising. And we're seeing a huge impact and huge numbers at our, our pantry where we're serving over 700% more families than we did last month. So, so you are... Uh, you serve three days a week, correct? And the families have the choice of, like you told me at one point in time, 120 plus products that are available each week. And so, tell us again who you serve. So, our food pantry, we have no uh, requirements to receive food. So, we have no income requirements. We have no residency requirements. And um, we ask them basic information so we know exactly who the demographics of who we are serving. We do ask them income questions as well. I would say about 85% of our families come from our own county, Waukesha. And 12% come from Milwaukee. And then we also have surrounding counties as well. So you serve outside of Waukesha and Milwaukee? Yeah. and like that's Maybe southeastern Wisconsin, would that be accurate? A absolutely. Anyone okay. that is in need of food can come to Friends with Food. Okay. So you said there are no requirements to receive groceries and supplies. And then how are you able to track who you serve? So basically a family has to register on our website every week, and um, they show up at their designated time because we serve – in one week, we serve 300 families. And so we have to have very tight systems on that. So every 15 minutes, we serve 15 families. And so they come at their register time, and our environment is friendly. It's like walking into like a, a high-scale Sendex or something like that. Okay. We, we really try to roll out the red carpet for our people, and we really try to treat them like humans, and we hear that over and over again, that they felt like a normal human being. And then uh, 
I think it's it's uh, interesting to note that 92% of your uh, of the families you serve, their income are uh, is below the federal poverty limit, mm-hmm. and then families that are above this limit usually have had a medical hardship or a financial hardship or something like that. Yeah, including myself and my family. You never know where your time of need is, and it can happen to anyone at any point of their their time. And we can serve somebody from weekly to monthly. Maybe they only need us for a few weeks to get themselves back to a a different job, or maybe that medical hardship was a short-lived thing. Maybe it's a long-term thing. But I, I believe I'm not God. I'm not here to determine who receives food and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's why we have no requirements. Yeah. So if you are listening today and are in, um, in that situation where you need food, as Rochelle said, maybe just for a week, maybe just for a month, or you know of somebody that does. I mean, can someone come shopping on behalf of someone else? Absolutely. So we do allow um, like proxies to come in. Um, so if you're picking up for your neighbor, you can do so as well. Um, and we, again, we're not seeing their income statements and stuff like that. It's it just so abrasive to me Yeah. just yeah. to receive food. Right. And then, you know, I think about the elderly who can't get out Mm-hmm. and get to the store. So, uh, you know, that that would be quite an endeavor to offer delivery services, but I mean, knowing that somebody can come and shop for their neighbor that happens to be elderly and can't get out. Yeah, and they know what products that they might need. And so that leads to less waste as well. Sure. And we also do um, senior boxes as well. So once a month, we get over 100 senior boxes and these boxes um, come from Community Act Coalition. And basically what they are is a huge box of food for a senior. And we, we tell them, share the food if you can't use it. So we just eliminate no waste. We also um, support about 10 other nonprofits with our work. To keep in the mission of uh, no food to go to waste, we make sure that we can put food in other nonprofits' hands where they might lack refrigerator fr- freezer space we have that here at Friends with Food. And so basically, we help out other nonprofits in our community as well. And I think that's great that you offer uh, something to other nonprofits that maybe they don't have because we're all in this together, right? I mean, it's not a competitive thing. You have something that they don't, they have something that you don't, you just share resources. That is how it should be, right? Exactly. Um, and, and, and you know, and even the traditional model, you know, we serve an entire different clientele than they might as well. So somebody that might be denied under a traditional model can come and see us as well. Okay. Well, let's get back to the families that you serve. How many, you mentioned it before, but let's just reiterate, how many families you serve weekly? So a total of 300, which is um, 800 people a week. Okay. So 300 families. Wow. So so you're known for being the food pantry that gives more pounds of food per person than any other food pantry in our area. Again, that's according to the Community Action Coalition. Um, so listeners, knowing that they serve about 300 families per week, how many pounds of food do you think they serve? How many pounds of food do you think they serve? Well, 
We'll find that out after our short commercial break. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking in our last segment today with Rochelle Gamoff, President and Executive Director of Friends with Food. So if you are serving 300 families a week, Rochelle, how much food do you hand out in a month? Now, I asked that question before the break, so listeners, if, you, uh, if you've got an answer, go ahead and shout it out. I'm not going to hear you, but go ahead and shout it out. See if you can come close to what Rochelle is going to share with us. So how much food in a month, Rochelle? 58,000 pounds of food per month. That is about a half of a Costco store. Wow. Okay, so 58,000 pounds of food. It's amazing. In isn't a month. It? Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. And obviously you can't do this without your food partners. So who you mentioned some of them before. Who are some of the partners that you work with in order to accomplish this? So Feeding America is one of our biggest source of food. Um, Community Act Coalition, we get um, some food from them, and we also get the senior boxes. Uh, we also have Brownberry Bread, Sarah Lee. Quick trips, Metro Markets. So we pick up and rescue food whenever, whenever we can. Mm. I had heard a couple of years ago I did another um, food pantry and, and in my statistics, and of course I can't remember exactly the number, but it mm-hmm. was staggering the amount of food that is thrown away on an annual basis. Yeah, Feeding Just, America told me it was like close to 3 million pounds of food that was unrescued. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And, you know, I've been to events down, I won't mention where, certain places around Milwaukee where I ask for a doggy bag and they say, you you can't take it with you, obviously liability issues, but it's like, what's happening to that food? It's all mm-hmm. getting thrown away, which is really, really sad. Yeah. Um, so 58,000 pounds of food a month, and you do this by working with your food partners, like Feeding America, Quick Trip. find that interesting. Quick Trips, they're around every mm-hmm. corner, right? Uh, Sara Lee, Brownberry, et cetera. Um, so you work with them f- for your partners. Uh, but how do you keep your doors open? Well, it's really by individual donations, corporate donations, some grants that we're getting. Um, but they mainly have been for like equipment purposes right now. Um, events that we have, we have quarterly events. So we have Friends with Food. Um, it's a golf outing, golf with friends. We have Santa with friends. And we have a gala-themed event every year as well. Okay. So there are partners that you're working with to help provide some of the food, but there's still obviously other expenses. So you need to um, have a, a gala, like many different mm-hmm. nonprofits have a gala or golf outing. You have both. So there you go. Um can you share a story of impact or two with us today? There are so many stories out there of families or people that have are down to the last food in their cupboards. And that's when they call me because they're just on the very last luck. And they're hoping and praying that their situation is going to be different. And so usually um, families are don't know where the resources are 
have never heard of us or have never walked through to a food pantry. And I'm going to tell you, it's not a scary thing. You can do it. And you're amongst friends when you come to Friends with Food. And it's a completely different environment. You feel like you're in a grocery store. You do not feel like you're in a food pantry. And your story, you know, that you shared before, that's that's an impact story. You know, when you think about, as you said, um, no judgments from anybody, right? I mean, we're not supposed to be judging anybody else's journey through life. And someone may have a, a month in time a year in time where they need a helping hand uh, and then they're, they get, that gets them back on their feet. Right. Yeah. And it's really, we strive to get nutritious food. Like I, I strongly, I do not order any kind of sugary products or nothing really bad for their system. Cause I want to teach them nutrition and I also want to teach them healthy habits as well, which are, they're not really getting. Cause then if you don't have the funds or you don't have the money, then you're resorting to the food that's really not good for your body. Right. Because it's cheaper, right? I mean, you think about organic food, which we should all be eating. You know, that is super expensive. Or even just fruits and vegetables alone, that's that's super expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, the cheap stuff, the canned foods, the macaroni and cheese, that's not the most healthy. Uh, so that's great to know that you're providing nutritious meals. Yeah. And one of our one of our families actually lost 100 pounds so far eating the food at the food pantry oh wow so that's pretty exciting that that was a goal probably not not something that just yeah (laughs) happened because they weren't eating obviously it was making wise choices yeah she needed she needed to have back surgery and so she ended up um you know eating the food and then eating the healthy food that we were offering her because she couldn't afford that before so okay very nice we love to hear those stories of impact Um, Well, it's wonderful how many people you're impacting on a weekly basis, and I'm sure the need is great all over the community. Uh, What would you say is your greatest need right now? Well, we need more corporate sponsors, and we need more donations to keep our doors open. We also need volunteers. So you mentioned that we did grow to the second largest food pantry, which has also come with a lot of growth headaches and problems so we're, we're we're expanding at a rapid pace so we're also looking for people that want to get involved in our nonprofit, like b- being a board member being on a committee helping us fundraise um we need more hands to to help others yes many hands make light work mm-hmm. right or I should say make work light. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so if somebody is listening today, uh, share with us what's the best way to get a hold of you or to, um, to visit Friends with Food. So you can go to our website, which is friendswithfoodwi.org, and on there you can see a donation button as well. Um, you can have a monthly donation, a small donation, whatever you can afford. Usually about $50 a month serves an entire family for us with groceries for the entire <laughs> month. So a family of four can um, really make an impact for 50 bucks. Okay. Do you guys have a Facebook page? A- absolutely. It's still under Friends with Food. Okay. So the- just Google Friends with Food and you're going to come up with the information. Right, right. Or my phone number is 262-409-9282. 
Okay, so people can reach out to you with any other questions. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to thank my guest today, uh, Rochelle Gamov, President and Executive Director of Friends with Food, and Tom Mitt, Executive Director of The Stories Project. Thank you both for sharing how you're serving families and preserving generational well-being. I appreciate you sharing how you do that in your own special ways. So thanks for being here today, both of you. Thanks for inviting us. You are welcome. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out directly to Tom at The Stories Project or Rochelle at Friends with Food. And if you know of a great organization doing great work in our community that you think would be a great guest for our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Tune in next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are making our community a healthy compassionate and giving place to live you can tune into news talk 1130 on your radio or you can go to newstalk 1130.com on your computer you can also listen on your cell phone via the iheart radio app i encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com and you can listen to previously aired shows or you can now listen on demand which means spotify stitcher google play or apple podcast So my call to action to wrap up our show today is to give some thought to how you can make a difference in some way for someone else in our community. Our guests have shared today many ways that you can make a difference and have a significant impact, whether that's by donating, volunteering, passing along generational connection, or advocating for their respective organization. I'm sure anything you do would be greatly appreciated. Take the time to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.